Welcome to the podcast of Eden Worship Center. We believe that God has perfectly revealed Himself through Scripture alone, and that salvation comes by grace alone, from faith alone in Christ alone, and that everything is for the glory of God alone. So as we study God's unchanging, inerrant Word together, ask God to open your eyes, to open your eyes to see yourself and your own sin clearly. Open your eyes to see Jesus clearly, and pray that God would give you the grace to repent, to turn from your sin, and the faith to trust in Christ alone for your salvation. If you'd like more information, go to our website at edenworshipcenter.co. Open your Bible to Genesis chapter 18. Now the Lord appeared to him by the oak of Mamre, while he was sitting at the tent door in the heat of the day. And when he lifted his eyes and looked, behold, three men were standing opposite him. And when he saw them, he ran from the tent of meeting and bowed himself to the earth and said, My Lord, if I have found favor in your sight, please do not pass your servant by. Please let a little water be brought and wash your feet and rest yourself under the tree. And I will bring a piece of bread that you may refresh yourself. After that, you may go on, since you have visited your servant. And they said, So do, as, we, as you have said. So Abraham hurried into the tent to Sarah and said, Quickly prepare three measures of fine flour, knead it, and make bread cakes. Abraham also ran to the herd and took a tender choice calf and gave it to the servants, and he hurried to prepare it. And he took curds and milk and the calf which he had prepared, and placed it before them. And he was standing by them under the tree as they ate. Then they said to him, Where is Sarah, your wife? And he said, Behold, she's in the tent. And he said, I will surely return to you at this time next year. And behold, Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. And Sarah was listening at the tent door, which was behind him. Now Abraham and Sarah were old, advanced in years, And Sarah was past childbearing. And Sarah laughed to herself and saying, After I've become old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord, being also old? And the Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh, saying, Shall I indeed bear a child when I'm old? Is anything too difficult for the Lord? At the appointed time, I will return to you at this time next year, and Sarah shall have a son. And Sarah denied it, however, saying, I didn't laugh, for she was afraid. And he said, No, but you did laugh. Then the men arose from there and looked down toward Sodom, and Abraham was walking with them to send them off. And the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham what I'm about to do, since Abraham will surely become a great and mighty nation, and in him all nations of the earth will be blessed? For I have chosen him in order that he may command his children and their household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing righteousness and justice, in order that the Lord may bring upon Abraham what he has spoken about him. And the Lord said, The outcry of Sodom and Gomorrah is indeed great, and their sin is exceedingly grave. I will go down now and see if they have done entirely according to its outcry, which has come to me, and if not, I will know. Verse 22. Then the men turned away from 
there and went toward Sodom while Abraham was standing with the Lord. And Abraham came near and said, Wilt thou indeed sweep away the righteous with the wicked? Suppose there are fifty righteous within the city, wilt thou indeed sweep it away and not spare the place for the sake of the fifty righteous who are in it? Far be it from me, from thee, to do such a thing, to slay the righteous with the wicked, so that the righteous and the wicked are treated alike. Far be it from thee. Shall not the judge of all the earth deal justly? So the Lord said, If I find in Sodom fifty righteous within the city, then I will spare the whole place on their account. And Abraham answered and said, Now behold, I ventured to speak to the Lord, although I am but dust and ashes. Suppose the fifty righteous were lacking five. Wilt thou destroy the whole city because of five? And he said, I will not destroy it if I find forty-five there. And then he spoke to him yet again, said, Suppose forty are found there. And he said, I will do it on account of 40. And then he said, Oh, my, my Lord, uh, be not angry, and I shall speak. Suppose 30 are found there. And he said, I will not do it if, if I find 30 there. And then he said, Now behold, I've ventured to speak to the Lord. Suppose 20 are found there. And he said, I will not destroy it on account of 20. And then he said, Oh, my Lord, be not angry, and I shall speak only this once. Suppose ten are found there. And he said, I will not destroy it on account of ten. And as soon as he finished speaking to Abraham, the Lord departed, and Abraham returned to his place. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the richness of your word. Lord, we know your word is true. Your promises are sure and unfailing. I pray this morning that you will bless the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart. Let them be acceptable in your sight, O Lord. Let nothing bitter or critical come forth, but let it be sweet water as gives life and becomes the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Okay, back in the back, kids, are bags for you with coloring pages. If you want to find your way back there, Ron and some others are there with those. In the midst of this organized chaos, uh, I could not help but think about the fact uh, that it has, had to been amazing for the children of Israel coming out of Egypt. Talk about organized chaos. What a blessing to be able to look into this passage of Scripture. Let me just say at the outset that last Sunday, Avery Nickham did a great job with that passage of Scripture. One of the things that I, I appreciate about our church is that it's, it's a place, it's a safe place where young men can have an opportunity to exercise their gifts and can begin to grow in those gifts. And that's awesome. Avery did a great job. Let me go back and bridge 
from chapter 17 here into chapter 18. Some things that are, I think are pretty significant. Avery touched on them. That God reveals himself as El Shaddai. That's the first time. Anytime you find a first in scripture, it is always of great significance. And God reveals himself as El Shaddai, the all-sufficient one. That word, Shaddai, really comes from a word that means mountain. And the picture, the image here, is of God, the overpowering, almighty one who's standing on the mountain. And the point in all of this, I believe, is that Abraham not only needed his name changed, he needed a greater revelation of God. And that's true for all of us, that God knows our situation. He knows his promises, and what he has declared will come to pass. But we need to see him for who he is. I was thinking of when Jesus and the disciples are out on the sea, and Jesus is asleep. And they wake him and they say, don't you care that we're about to perish? And Jesus stands up and speaks to the winds and the waves. And the response of the disciples is, who is this man that even the winds and the waves obey him? And the point in that is they still saw Jesus as a man. And what happens to us, we get in the midst of our circumstance, in the midst of our problem, or here is Abraham and Sarah, in the midst of God's promise for a child, that, and this promise has lingered on for 20 years. And as human beings, we have a tendency to forget. And we think God has forgotten. And it's at times like this that we need a greater revelation of who our God is. Here's a fill-in-the-blank that's somewhere on the back of the page. Uh, I discovered that. But I found this quote by Arthur W. Pink in his, his writings, Gleaning from Joshua. He said, The Almighty is a title which strikes terror in the hearts of the wicked, but to the righteous it is a haven of rest. I pray that God will give us a greater revelation of who he is when we see him as almighty. We know he's able to save to the uttermost, Hebrews 7.25. He's able to come to our aid when we are being tempted, Hebrews 2.18. Nothing can separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord, Romans chapter 8 verse 39. Our Savior is able to change our vile bodies. Philippians 2.21 says, into a glorious body like His own. He's able to do exceedingly abundantly beyond what we could ask or think according to the power that works in us, Ephesians 2.20. That's our God, El Shaddai. And because our God is almighty, He is able to keep us from falling and to present us faultless, before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy, Jude verse 24. That's our God, church. He is glorious. The other thing that spoke to me, that just, just leaped off the page of scripture to me last Sunday, 
As Avery was preaching and talking about the covenant, and, and I just kept reading, my covenant, my covenant, my covenant. Avery, forgive me. I became a little bit distracted. I was listening, but as you were preaching, I was literally going through my Bible, underscoring the number of times he said, my covenant, my covenant. And then being the person that I am, I had to count. One, two, three. Nine times. God says, my covenant. Not the covenant between you and me, but my covenant. That's a powerful thing. And what makes it powerful is that God is putting himself first in all of these things. He is the one who establishes the covenant. He is the one who keeps the covenant. That's El Shaddai, our God. And that's what he's doing in your life and mine. My problem is, I become so preoccupied with my agenda or what's going on in my life or I'm focused on my needs, on what I perceive to be God's failure to answer my prayers when I think he should do it and in the way that I think he should do it, that I forget he's El Shaddai. He's God Almighty. God has not, nor will he ever forget his covenant promises. He is eternally faithful to his word. Do you know why? Because he himself is eternal. Let that get down into your spirit. Let it move from your head where you say, yep, that's true, down into your spirit, man, where the amen takes place. Because in that, faith begins to rise in our hearts and we can walk not only in faith, but in faithfulness in the midst of our circumstance. See, Abraham believes God and it's counted unto him as righteousness. He is a man of faith. But as he has this revelation, as he has this visitation with El Shaddai, something changes that empowers him to walk in faithfulness. Are you hearing that? My covenant. I love Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 12 where God declares, I am watching over my word to perform it. What God has declared will come to pass because he's watching over his word carefully to make sure it happens. No, brothers and sisters, that what God has declared concerning you will come to pass. And in some respects, whether you believe it or not, it will come to pass. Now, with that review of what Avery shared with us last Sunday, let's look into chapter 18. Verse 1. Now the Lord. Notice that the word Lord is all in capital letters. And if we were to go back into the Hebrew, we would see that it says, now Jehovah, the God of covenant, appears to Abraham. Abraham's, it's about noon, heat of the day, and he's sitting at the tent, sitting in the doorway. Suddenly there are three men standing there. It's amazing. It's Jehovah, 
And we know from chapter 12, uh, uh, not chapter 12, but from the chapter 19, these are two angels that are there with him. What's interesting in verse 3, Abraham doesn't appear to recognize it's God. If you look at your Bible, you'll notice that the word he uses there, that Abraham says Lord, is all in lowercase. It's not in capital letters, Jehovah. It was a greeting, my Lord. But he doesn't recognize that it's in God. And he says, I found favor in your sight. If I found favor in your sight, let me host you properly. And what he's really doing is offering a traditional gesture of hospitality. As I was preparing this, in fact, I was reading through this passage again this morning before we came, and what just leaped out of the page at me, notice Abraham's response in this. He initially, he's not recognizing that God is in his midst. But look at verse 2, verse 6, verse 7. He ran from the tent of meeting. He didn't just take leisurely stroll. I wonder who, three, I wonder who these three guys are. He's running to meet them. And then as he offers hospitality, verse 6, he goes into the tent to Sarah and says, quickly, don't wait till you've finished your makeup. Do this now. Turn to the person next to you and say, that was a weak attempt at a joke. <laughs> but the sense here, hurry up. Do this quickly. We're going to make some bread cakes. Verse 7, what does he do? He runs to the flock. I, I have to, uh, I was going to ask for permission to share something personal, but I was going to do it anyway, so let me just do it. I remember as a boy in Oregon on my grandfather's ranch or farm, he would send me to the house with a message, but I was different from most children. And Grandpa would say, I want you to go, tell your grandma this, and I want you to walk. So I would walk until he couldn't see me anymore, <laughs> and then I ran. <laughs> Abraham, there is a sense of haste and urgency. And I, I will confess to you this morning, I don't fully understand the significance of that. And yet it is, it is so clear here in Scripture, there's significance here about the haste that Abraham is, is taking here. Runs to the herd, picks out a tender choice calf, takes it to his servant, and here again, he hurried to prepare it. This wasn't, well, let's just take our time. There is a sense of urgency here. May I say to us, then there needs to be a sense of urgency within our lives. I, I, I think because of age, you begin to realize again and again that every day is a gift from God. When we're kids, 
when we're teenagers, we think we're going to live forever. And then you get to be 70, 75. You recognize every day is a gift from God. And it needs to be sent, lived with a sense of urgency and purpose. I want to encourage us. We all recognize there are no guarantees in life. We need to make sure that every day is lived with a purpose. And it's to glorify God. When you look in verses 9 through 15... You see, Sarah laughs. She overhears the conversation. We could spend a lot of time on, on this, but let me just point out something here that just intrigues me. These heavenly guests refer to her by name. Did you catch that? They didn't say, where is your wife? They said, where is Sarah? And when I read that, I, I thought back to what we looked at several weeks ago in Genesis 16, where God finds Hagar in the wilderness, out there, all alone. And by the way, you know, God didn't have to send out a search party of angels and say, let's go find where she is. I wonder if we can track her by GPS. God knew exactly where she was. And like here with Sarah... God speaks to her and says, Hagar, where have you come from and where are you going? By the way, an interesting thing I discovered about Hagar's name. It means the one who runs away. Now I have to restrain myself here because it would be easy to just go down this wonderful little rabbit trail and talk about God exposing to Hagar for the first time and forcing her to face up with who she really is. But I thought about that. I thought about Jacob wrestling with the angel, and we're going to get to that in probably in a month or two. <laughs> it's taken us a while. But just remember this, that when Jacob wrestles with the angel, one, it's the angel who starts the fight. And then number two, he says, because Jacob isn't going to let go till he gets a blessing. And he says, tell me your name. And the angel knew good and well what his name was. But I love the way the Amplified Translation says it there. In shock of revelation, he said, Jacob, the planter, the sneaky one. And I believe that God in his mercy and grace brings us into these situations where we are forced to see ourselves and we have this glorious opportunity to see in a greater measure who he is, who this God is who has chosen to love us, who has chosen to save us, who has chosen through the blood of the Lamb to establish his covenant with us. And he does it by bringing us into these situations where we are forced to recognize ourselves and our weakness, our sinfulness, and to look to him and get a greater vision of who he is. That wasn't in my notes, but I just, it felt good. I feel better now. 
You did say this was supposed to be informal this morning. Okay. Here's something I want us to really get a hold of. Just like Sarah, just like Hagar, God knows you and he knows me and he knows us by name. You think of 1 Samuel chapter 3. In the middle of the night, the young boy who's serving in the tabernacle in the tent hears Samuel, Samuel, Samuel. He thinks it's Eli the chief priest. We know it was God calling him. God knows your name. That is overwhelming to me. When the Lord speaks and says a year from now, Sarah's going to have a son, she's hearing in the tent. She's hearing the conversation and she laughs to herself. You know what I think is interesting? God did not rebuke her for laughing. He rebuked her for lying, but not for laughing. And this brings us to our memory verse, kids. Verse 14 is anything too difficult for the Lord? And the answer is no. Nothing is too difficult. Why? Because he's El Shaddai. He is God Almighty, the one who stands on the mountain in power and authority. That is our God. Hallelujah. God doesn't rebuke her for her unbelief, but he does for her lying. And twice, verse 10 and verse 14, God says to Sarah, you will have a son, and he's going to be born within the coming year. It would just be profitable if we would take the time, because there are only, what, Four children that were named by God in the Bible. Do you remember them? Isaac is one. Who's the other? Ishmael. Two to go. It's informal on Sunday morning. Sunday school answer? Jesus. And John, who was the first Baptist. Okay. It's just something different about being here. I've just embarrassed my wife and my son. We just said that was a new joke. <laughs> oh, glory to God. Let's see if we can pull this back. Nothing's too difficult. Too difficult for God. Kids, that's our memory verse. We need to get that down into our spirit. I think on one level we understand that nothing's too difficult for God, but where we struggle is, does God want to do this in my life? But when God's declared it, it will come to pass. God's eternal purposes are going to be accomplished whether we believe it or not. Sarah struggled to believe it. Abraham laughed too, but it was a different kind of laugh. 
But we can identify with Sarah. Because we look at ourselves, we look at the circumstances of our lives, and it just seems impossible. And yet what God has declared will happen. He's going to accomplish His purposes whether we believe it or not. Why? Because God's covenant blessings, God's covenant promises are based on Him. And His faithfulness to his word and not us. I forget that. Because I somehow begin to think it's about me. And I know my weaknesses. I need to be reminded that my God is El Shaddai. My God, my Savior, is the creator God of the universe. And that the Bible declares in Colossians that all things were created in him, through him, and for him. And in him, all things hold together. That's my God and Savior. And he has called me friend. I didn't call him friend. He did that. That's a sermon subject for another day. If we don't get anything else out of this 18th chapter of Genesis, I pray this gets downed into our spirits. God's covenant blessings, his covenant promises are based on him and his faithfulness to the word and not us. And it's because nine times in chapter 18, he says, my covenant. Let's see if we can't bring this together as we look at the final verses here in uh, this chapter. Verses 16 through 33, fascinating. It is really the basis of Abraham being called a friend of God. Second Chronicles 20, verse 7, Isaiah 41, verse 8, James chapter 2, verse 23. And the scripture was fulfilled which says, Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness and he was called a friend of God. None of this last section of chapter 18 would have ever taken place had it not been for covenant relationship. You look at verse 17 and 18. Shall I hide from Abraham what I'm about to do since Abraham will surely become a great and mighty nation and in him all the nations will be blessed? That's future. This is coming. This is a reality. But there's covenant relationship and God says, I'm in... It's this is my covenant that I have established with him. How, shall I hide this from him? Again, covenant relationship is at the heart of what God is saying and is at the heart of what God is about to reveal. I think of this often, Amos chapter 3, verse 7, which says, certainly God does nothing unless he reveals his secret plans to his servants, the prophets. God's going to bring judgment on Sodom and Gomorrah. We know that. In fact, I, uh, I, I think many times, I think the first time I heard this was um, 
Dr. Billy Graham's wife say that if God doesn't judge America, he will have to apologize to Sodom and Gomorrah. May, say, may I say to us, we are already under God's judgment. Just understand that. When God judged a nation, there were always at least three things that were involved. It was always their economy, it was their environment, and it was their politics. That's a subject for another day. We're already there. We're under divine judgment. And what we're seeing with this LGBTQ plus revolution is just what Romans 1 says, that God gave them over to this. And at the heart of this, if you remember Romans 1, it's because they didn't honor God as God and they weren't thankful. Where is our sense of thankfulness and gratitude to God? Interesting thing in verse 19, as you look at this, what God says, he says, I've chosen him in order that he may command his children. Abraham is being given an opportunity in the context of this to command his children. Now we understand that most of the promises that God gave to Abraham were to be fulfilled in the future. But in this moment, he's being given an opportunity to command his children, his household, and to experience in measure a taste of what was to come. I will tell you that's something that I, I've been thinking about in spiritually and mentally chewing on because I don't really have an understanding of all of this. But there's something that's happening here that we know those promises he made to Abraham that he's going to be a great and mighty nation. And Abraham believes God and it's counted unto him as righteousness. But here he's given an opportunity, God says, to live that out through faithfulness. And I believe there's a lot that could be said about you and me. That we believe God. And we know his word is true. But then he gives us opportunities to walk in faithfulness. Kids, how many of you are in school? Okay. When you go to school, your teacher teaches you principles and concepts. And then that teacher gives you an opportunity to exercise those things that you've learned. What do you call that? A test. What's the purpose of a test? I have no idea, somebody said. <laughs> Tests are not designed for you to fail. Tests are designed to give you an opportunity to exercise what you have learned and to measure what you've learned. That's Harold's helpful household hint for today. The dynamic that goes on back and forth between Abraham and the Lord. Notice what happens here. Verse 22, Abraham has been walking with the Lord and these two angels. 
And the two men turned towards Sodom. And it's just God and Abraham. And Abraham begins to make intercession. Somewhere along the line as a kid growing up, when I heard things from this passage being taught, they said, well, that's why the Jews are the way they are. They're always bargaining and trying to get a good deal. And there is an ethnic slur that's used related to them when it comes to bargaining and haggling over a deal that I pray you never use. Abraham knows that his nephew Lot is in Sodom. But he is also concerned about others who are living in the city who he presumes must be righteous. Now, here's what I want us to understand in all of this. Abraham wasn't merely haggling with God. Because we know from Ezekiel 33:11 that God finds no pleasure in the death of the wicked. Verse 22. These two angels walk towards Sodom. Look at verse 23. What's the first thing that came comes here? Abraham came near. Now think about that in the context of what's happening. Here is Abraham and God. They're walking together. But now there is something that is, that is almost intimate as he moves close to the Lord. And he begins to intercede. And it speaks both of Abraham's sincerity and of his covenant relationship with God because he now realizes who he's talking to. If you notice, things change. It's interesting to me the appeal that he makes based on God's righteous character. Look in the last part of verse 25. Far be it from thee, shall not the judge of the earth deal justly? He's appealing to God's nature. Creator God of the universe, judge of all of the universe, and say for you to just wipe out everybody is not consistent with who you are as the judge over the universe. God's intercession presupposes his belief and faith in God as being both merciful and just. And he will not be unjust in anything that he does. Next week, you will look at judgment that comes to Sodom. If I can get to internet, I'll join with you. Uh, I would just say, please be praying for me. I leave next Saturday, and by God's grace, next Sunday, as you gather, I will be in Jerusalem. Um, that's another story for later today.
but God has opened an incredible door, and I, I really pray that you will pray for me and pray for Janice while she's here. I know there's a lot going on, but families, take time to talk. And as we began the service this morning with the Heidelberg conf Confession, parents, let me encourage you to sit down with your kids every week. Read through that confession, at least what we have read, and talk about that with them. I thought about that as Matt was sharing with us uh, and saying uh, we want to have communion as families. And that's an opportunity for you to talk about things. Take your bulletin every week. Use those questions or single question, depending on the week. Talk about it as a family, why this is important, what it means. Share it with your kids because we want to be imparting to our kids a reason for the hope, a reason for their faith. But I'd encourage you, and, and this is in, uh, also in the sheet that was handed out to you. Talk about what it means to know that our God is almighty. He is El Shaddai. Talk about why it's important that God made repeated references to his covenant with Abram, saying, it is my covenant. Talk about the significance of God knowing Sarah's name and Hagar's name and that he knows each of ours. Talk about the fact that God is watching over his word to perform it and that his eternal purposes will come to pass even if we find ourselves struggling to believe it. And then pray together that God will deepen and strengthen your relationship with him. One of my favorite stories is about the little boy who went to Washington, D.C. He wanted to see the president. And he goes to the White House and they won't let him in. And he's sitting outside on the steps crying when another little boy comes up and says, well, why are you crying? And he said, I wanted to see the president and they won't let me in. And he said, come with me. And he took the little boy by the hand and led him into the White House past the guards, the same guards that had not allowed him to enter. You know where this is going. Led him to a closed door which he opened and walked in and there was the president. He was introducing the little boy to his father. That's the power of relationship. I love what Jesus says. What is it? John 15. You didn't choose me, but I chose you. I was adopted. Any of you kids been adopted besides me? Well, let me tell you something. When you were born to your mom and dad, they had to take what they got, and that was you. But my father adopted me. He chose me. He didn't have to take what he got. 
He got my brother. Oh, well. <laughs> but he chose me. I share all of that. Because El Shaddai, our Jehovah Jireh, our Jehovah Rapha, our Jehovah Shammah, who will never leave us or forsake us, chose us. And he established through the shed blood of the Lamb his covenant with us that will never fail. Pray with me. Oh, Lord Jesus, we hear these things and with our heads we say, yes, it's true. But God, I pray you'll bring revelation into our hearts, into our spirits that causes us to walk in a faith and a confidence knowing that nothing is too difficult for God. Del deliver us, Lord, from spiritual arrogance and pride. But, oh God, would you just bring to us a revelation that is greater of who you are than we have seen before. That you are watching over your word to perform it. And that you have established your eternal covenant with eternal promises that are true because you are eternal. Let that take root in us and cause us to walk in greater faith and faithfulness for your praise and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for joining our podcast. We pray that God would bless you and strengthen you through his word. If you'd like to find out more about EWC or give tithes and offerings in support of this ministry, visit our website at edenworshipcenter.co.